What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back, maybe a day late, but we're back. And uh, man, we're still going here. You thought maybe we'd be done, but you would be <laughs> very, very wrong. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online with me for this divisional round week is. Ooh, wait, which week? Say, say that one more time. Which week? Ooh, ooh divisional round. Oh, nice. That's nice. I sent some chills down your spine with that one. Uh, I'm just trying to soak every word in. <laughs> Uh, he is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. He is the machine. He is at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How we doing, buddy? Hey, uh, I think I'm doing better than you. Uh, I know you've been a little under the weather, so hopefully you're feeling good. I am uh, in good spirits. I have watched the Lions beat the Rams uh, for the last four days. Uh, first one was live and in person. The other three have been via apps or TVs. And uh, I am, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, that was one heck of a ball game. Uh, one hell of a thing to witness in person. And uh, it just goes to show you that everything that we've believed in this team for past six months has has been true that this is this team was different really since i mean you, you went on that rant last year after the the packers game before and after the packers game that that was a franchise changing moment and ever since that moment they've proven you and, and every, everyone else who believed right so um it's a fun week uh and w let's hope that more fun is on the way and we are going to turn the page mostly like you know it's a, we're recording this on wednesday that feels like the page turning day for the media obviously yep. the players do it in a, in 24 hours as they say but we're gonna change directions here talk about tampa bay a lot in this week's edition of the midweek mailbag but we're going to talk about whatever you guys wanted to talk about because you guys kind of control our destiny here with midweek mailbag as always if you have questions that you want to get answered you can uh tweet at us at Pride of Detroit. If you want to hashtag it, ask POD, that helps as well. But let's get on to it. Let's start talking some questions. And we're going to start here with uh, at Between the Numbers asks, can you discuss the red zone efficiency matchup between Detroit and Tampa Bay and how each of the side, each sides of the ball compares? This was a critical element in the Rams game and trending to be critical in the Lions recent blitz heavy slash bend don't break defense. Now, I already did a little bit of research here, Eric. Oh, I have um, some too. Good. <laughs> um, here's here's what I want to say first. Mm -hmm. For the season, the Lions are 29th on defense in in touchdown percentage. They are the what is that third worst, fourth worst? Okay, the Rams, 27th, but still, it's bottom yeah, five. Bottom, bottom five. Bottom five. Yeah, uh, this this is only regular season. Maybe yours is factoring in last week. Yes. Um, um, the Rams' offense was fourth, so that game went very opposite of the trends of the season. 
the Rams offense right. was yes. scoring touchdowns yes. after touchdowns in the red zone. The Lions yeah. defense and and obviously the Lions stopped the the Rams from getting a touchdown every time they went into the red zone. Um yep. the, now the the Bucks offense 30th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much more favorable matchup there and I think a big part of that is that the Bucks can't run the ball. The Lions can stop the run. And so in, That's a 100% why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um now, if you flip things around, though, we have a much more even matchup. Yep. Lions offense third in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Second, if you count the playoffs. There you go. Uh, uh, Bucks defense third as well. Yep. That's what I got. Yeah. So it's strength on strength, weakness on weakness. Yeah. And again, that that makes sense, too. The Lions are good in the red zone because they can run the ball. The Bucks defense yep. is good in the red zone because they can stop the run. Yep. Now, it, it's not necessarily should, always about the run game in the red zone, but it's a, it's obviously a big factor of it. No, for sure. We should answer all of our questions in unison like this. Like, uh, <laughs> like I completely back and forth. I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> I, I, I it's 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 that they don't run. They can't or that they can't run. Yeah. Their yards per rush are are 32nd. They're last yeah. in the league. Three point five yards per rush. They're 31st. In rush yards per game, and and uh, they're just over ninety rush yards per game. They're in rushing touchdowns. They only score 0.4 a game, which is again twenty ninth in the yeah. NFL. And so, if you're not running, and it, it it that translates to lack of red zone efficiency. And so, yeah, you got to score with your big guys. You got to wait for the. Uh, the most brilliant defensive play caller in the world to send an all out blitz. And then you just throw the YOLO ball straight up in the air and it comes down in one of your receivers hands for a seven. And that's, mm. that's a great uh, approach to, uh, to success. Sure. Uh, the, the other noteworthy uh, data point here is that in the, in the week six matchup, both teams went over two in the red zone, which again, kind of follows the defensive trends here. And okay. But Let's put a little asterisk on this sure. uh, from week six. No Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. And David Montgomery got hurt on his sixth touch. Sure. So they basically abandoned the run game and Jared Goff threw the ball like 44, 45 times or something yeah. like that. Right. So, yes, it's no surprise that the red zone efficiency goes down when your running game is missing its top two dogs. True. But David Montgomery was had like eight rushes for 2.4 yards of carry before he left that game. So. The run game was struggling, and and I think it's going to be a little bit sure. of, of a slog this this week as well. Yeah, they're very good against the run. Yeah, um, they're they're on 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 par with Detroit, I'd say, in a lot yeah. of are pretty close. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah. like this is like a Bears level defense. Like, think about how hard it was to run against the Bears. This is going to be a similar type thing, which means you're putting this game on Jared Goff again to be successful. Yeah. Well, let's let's stick on the topic of of the run game here. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to call you P Simmons uh, on on Twitter because <laughs> you may have an inappropriate name and handle. Uh, you ask level of concern about the run game being so eh in the past three to four weeks. Yeah, I mean that's valid, right? Like I do think that their running backs efficiency has been uh, down. Yeah, they started out hot against the Rams. Like yeah. there was nothing they could do wrong. Um, the first half, the second half, um, definitely slowed down. The Rams dedicated more, uh, players to the ball. They changed their style a little bit. Lines didn't have the adjustments in hand and their 
passing game was uh, working. So they just kept with their passing game a little bit more. Still a pretty even split. They didn't move away from the run. It just wasn't working as well. And so, yeah, yeah you you that's definitely a valid concern, especially when you're going up against a very good run defense. And so are the Lions going to back away? No, absolutely not. Right. But they've got to make sure that they're being as efficient as possible from the first snap to the snap in the 60th minute. Yeah. In fact, Campbell said, I don't, I can't tell if he was particularly talking about the run game, but he said Mm -hmm. something today that was like, listen, we have to be smart about how we play against this Bucks team, but we're not going to stray away from who we are. Like we're we're still going to be, you're still going to kind of have our identity, but like we, but at the same time, I forgot. he, He said something like, hitting a sledgehammer against a steel door. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he compared it to. He's like, we're, you know, you can only do that so many times. Let me see if I can pull up the, the exact. Right. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Uh, there's some things that we need to do because we do them well and we can't go away from that. But at the same token, we've got to be smart about how we attack them. It's some of this, the sledgehammer against a steel door can only last for so long. We, we've got to be smart about it. And then he goes yeah. straight into, I just bring up Vita Vea. And then them creating the edges with the overhangs. They've got length, size, explosiveness, Kalijah Cancio up the middle. Like they've got a strong front seven. It, yeah. it, it's an overall good defense, but we, we you know, th- the way we succeed is, is being ourselves and we can't just beat a, an entirely different team uh, just because they're, they're going to try to dictate it. Yeah. That's been a, um, a staple of the lions pretty much all season, regardless of who their opponent is, their approach on offense has been to do what they do. And they want to make the defense adjust to them as much as possible. They still want, they have these core philosophies, these core strategies that they want to stick with. And while there are wrinkles that are designed in for each different opponent, um, the core belief of what they want to do has been pretty consistent. uh, Basically in every game, except for like two. And those were the two back-to-back games against the Bucks and the Ravens. And they had to adjust to the Ravens because they were losing. They had to adjust to the Bucks because of injuries. But beyond that, they've pretty much been the, the, the same offensive team all season. Yeah, that is fair. All right, let's move to the next question here. Um, let's, t- let's talk some James Houston. We had a couple James Houston questions, and obviously we're recording this Wednesday night, and a decision has to be made tomorrow, Thursday, and, and maybe by the time you're listening to this, a decision has been made. So we're not going to make predictions whether James Houston is going to come off of IR and, and join the team and, and potentially play on Sunday um, or stay on IR for the rest of the year. Those are the two choices that they have. If, if they don't activate him on Thursday, he has to sit the remainder of the year. Um, but this question is from Ryan in Toledo. Uh, do you think that the injury is tougher to come back from so they are giving him more time or does the public see James Houston as more of an asset than the staff does? Little from column A, little from column B, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think it's, it's, it's a broken bone, right? Like those yeah. are tough, like independent and especially when you're in your legs, anytime yeah. you're in your legs and breaking things like it's, it's hard because everything comes from your legs, right? Like every, all your endurance, all of your energy, all of your power, it all comes from that. So yeah. when you suffer a break, even though it's a clean one, it, it just, it physically just takes time. There's nothing you can do to rush a break. And so, yeah. So I do think that has slowed him down um, a little bit at the same time. 
they have in their head a philosophy on what they want to get done from their different personnel. And I don't know if he exactly fits in smoothly. Now, we have seen Bruce Irvin, and I think he's an ideal fit for that Bruce Irvin role. Right. But there's also a reason that they were like, okay, to move on from Bruce Irvin. Like, I think they wanted to change and go a little bit heavier with some bigger bodies. And so, yes, I think James Houston could be a, an absolute asset. And having a guy who can do the things that he can is a tremendous card to have in your back pocket. At the same time, we don't know if he has that explosion right now. We don't know if he can get that bend on that injury. And we're because we don't get to see it. Right. And then if they just we don't know how they view him. Can they do they view him as just Bruce Serban? And if they do, do they think they can trust him in a way that they trusted a 15-year veteran? Right. Right. So right. there's a lot of factors going into play, but I do think it's a little of both. I think the injury slows them down, but I think the confidence that the Lions have in him in, in, in Houston doesn't quite line up with what the fans see. It's kind of like a I don't want to say like a bug situation. But like, I think the the fan perception is off in this situation is not in line with, I think, what the coaches have. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing to also consider is that James Houston was a full participant in practice all of last week. And they still didn't play him in a playoff, you know, a do or die situation on Sunday. So if they were if they were that happy or that, you know, encouraged or, or desperate or excited to have him back maybe they would have been like okay well, he doesn't need another extra i mean could he use another week of practice sure but it but there's a playoff game we need him um i they, they i didn't agree go with you route. i think yeah no i agree with you I, I i think the fact that it is a playoff game makes it harder yeah. on him right if this was a regular season right. game i think they might be more apt to test him out and see how sure. things were going the fact that it's a playoff and every single spot has a role and every single spot matters i don't think I don't know if they're going to be willing to risk it. It's it's going to be interesting. If yeah. if they are and he can do what he's done in the past, who we it's going to be fun. If he's yeah. not there, then he'll uh, stay on IR. But man, I mean like listen, I I know everyone who who's been yelling and was yelling at me all off season when I was saying like listen, they're treating this guy like he's a third or fourth stringer in yep. training camp. I'm not sure if he makes the team. I'm not sure if he you know is is this big influence that he was towards the end of the season? Well, I mean, now now we're kind of seeing that, right? Now we're seeing like yeah. they're, they're treating him in, in in a less enthusiastic way. Um, and and you're right. Like the the one thing that I found interesting the past week or two is that Dan Campbell's talking up um, Romeo Quara. Well, Romeo's been producing too. I think he, for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but but at the for same backup, time, like right? for for a backup, but at the same time, like you you look at you look at the pressures from this team. It's it's Aiden Hutchinson and no one else is close, particularly yeah. at the edge. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe Ali McNeil is second on the team in in pressures, yes. and he missed yeah. four games. He was on IR for he so was, like <laughs> I I'm it's as frustrating as it is. It is it's as frustrating to me as it is. I know all of you guys and. But at the same time, like I get it. This is this is a guy who's only played nine professional NFL games. He's still very new to playing at all. That was I remember that was something striking that um talking to, to James Houston, like, oh yeah, he only played 
one full year at college. He was, and that was at an HBCU. The rest of it, he was, you know, a, a, a rotational player at Florida. Uh, and then he played one year in high school. Like he does not have a lot of football under his belt. And so I don't think he's developed that trust that we, what we know is so important to this coaching staff. They need to be able to trust you. And they're really excited to get him out there last year. And it is interesting how that tone has changed when they talk about him, right? Because when they brought him out there at the end of last year, we just, they were like, oh my God, he was just killing everybody in practice. We had to get him out there. We, we were just waiting for the right opportunity. And now it, it seems like it's almost completely different. It's just like, yeah, I don't know if he has to show us in practice. I don't know. Well, and, that's the thing. Yeah, that's what Glenn said, right? Yeah. He literally said if he, he has to show us in practice. Yeah. And so, I mean, and maybe he is. Maybe maybe it is just a matter of, listen, this guy hasn't practiced for three months, four months, whatever it was. Let's get him two or three weeks of, of full practice under his belt. And, you know, we'll, we'll take the risk Rams weekend because we think we can win without him. And, and then he'll show up and 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 the next week practice and we'll activate him and play him i'm hoping that's that's what's going to happen but i can't say i have a ton of confidence with the way they've treated him all of this year all right next question here we'll fit in one more before we head to break here let's see uh okay here we go from golfing daily at hoy t home Hoyt home probably uh ask golf has been excellent against the blitz the Bucks blitzed Hurts like crazy on sound on Monday. Uh, do you see the Bucks drastically changing their approach against Jared? No, but I think the Lions' offensive line is has seen heavy blitzing teams mm-hmm. um, in in the last, like, you know, at least three of their last five games. Yeah. They've seen some of the you know Vikings twice in Denver. Like they've seen teams that uh, that blitz heavy, and this defensive scheme is the same defensive scheme it was in Week Six. Like yeah. the offense has changed for the Bucks, but the defense is the same. They're still going to use like a they're going to disguise they're going to rush four, uh, but they're going to disguise where they bring their pressure. They're going to drop an edge guy. They're going to they're going to blitz their off ball guys. Like they're they're very creative and they're very aggressive. Um, but they did okay. Uh, against them without Jonah Jackson last year or last uh, yeah tech, yeah Magic. last year 2023 <laughs> uh, um, good save yeah in week four and a six and um, so you add Jonah into the mix you add that experience into the mix and and, and it helps yeah. and then you add in the fact that Jared Goff is dealing that certainly helps as well now you are you saw more involvement from. Uh, Jameer Gibbs in the passing game. They kind of went away from that at the end of the season. Now they got them him back involved a little bit more. I think it'd be nice to get him uh, going in that aspect because it can be very valuable. They got Montgomery a pass in a very critical spot that, that paid off. And you, you know, you forget how good of a reset receiver he can be. So screen passes aren't necessarily in their game, but like quicker passes uh, swings out to the running back. Like, there's lots of ways to try and slow down the aggressive fronts. And when you have and arguably the best offensive line in the playoffs, and I don't think that's us, anyone can really argue against that. It's uh it's, it gives you a really good opportunity to, to have some success because you're used to it. You're you've seen it. Yeah. Um, to, to the original question. Yeah. I I'm with you. I don't, I don't think anything changes about the, the bucks approach. Todd Bowles has been in Tampa since 2019 mm-hmm. and, 
he's been a I, I think the Bucks have been a top five blitzing team every single one of those years since. And and obviously he went from defensive coordinator to, to head coach two years ago. But um mm-hmm. all of that is still the calls same. The, yeah, still calls the yeah, plays. Exactly. Um, um I and you know, I I, I went back and, and looked at the, the the blitz numbers from the first matchup. Goff was blitzed on twenty of forty-eight dropbacks, which don't expect 48 dropbacks in this game. Um, hopefully not, at least. That, that's probably a bad sign if you see that many dropbacks. Yeah. But like you said, that was an adjustment to injury there. Um, <clears throat> he So Goff went 10 of 19 when blitzed for 171 yards and two touchdowns, which is actually not that bad. Um, the completion percentage is bad, but uh, that's, what, a passer rating of a buck 18. Um, and then he went 20 of 25 for 182 when he wasn't blitzed um and and like we saw last week right when he wasn't when he wasn't pressured didn't he complete every single one of his passes yeah yep <laughs> so so, yep. so you don't get I, pressure he completes it pretty yeah, much is what and the story was so that's like the what you have to weigh here as a defensive coordinator going up against like Jared Goff because if he has time he is going to pick you apart he's always been that guy Mm-hmm. But he is a much worse quarterback, like every quarterback, when he's pressured. And it's been up and down with him. Like some day, some days he is really, really, really good against the blitz. Some days he's not so good against the blitz. Sometimes he's really good under pressure. Sometimes he's not that good under pressure. I would say for the most part throughout his career, he's been a below average quarterback when there is pressure. And if that's the case, especially if he's so dang good when he's not pressured, you have to send blitzes. You have to send extra men. You have to disguise your looks up front. And so for a defense that does that anyways, like, yeah, that's that's going to be the game plan going in this week for the Bucks. It's just a matter to me. It's it's more a matter of whether the Lions offensive line can handle it. And like you said, they've handled high percentage blitzing teams quite well all season. So I'm not that concerned about that. One more thing I want to add on the defense is that Aaron Glenn, what um, Todd Bowles was Aaron Glenn's position coach mm-hmm. back in 2000. Mm-hmm. And then um, also his position coach with the Cowboys back in 2005 and 2006. He was in Miami uh, with Campbell in 2010 and 11. And so like these guys have huge, long histories together. Right. And so they're very familiar Aaron Glenn has literally played in the defense that Todd Bowles runs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a very, they're very familiar with what he's trying to accomplish. And like I said, the fact that they've seen it once before, I think is certainly going to benefit the offense. Fair enough. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your lions questions right here on the midweek mailbag. When we come back, What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag, preparing y'all for Divisional Round Weekend. Lions vs. Bucks this upcoming Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Let's get back to your questions. Caitlin Rose asks, what are the main differences with the Bucks team that we played earlier this season and now? How will that affect changes to the game plan? Well, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference with the defense, right? Um, yep. we've, we've talked to the, about this a little bit before, but um, because the defense isn't changing, I don't. I, I think from an offensive standpoint, you kind of know what to expect. You can design your game plan a little differently. You also were missing a few key personnel on offense. Um, J-Mo was just coming back from his suspension. Uh, Dave Montgomery got hurt. Jameer Gibbs was missing. Jonah Jackson was missing. And so you were you have a different set of personnel uh, available to you as well. So from an offensive standpoint, I think you can change things up tremendously. You can uh, scheme guy. You can you you know what their approach is against certain positions or certain guys, and you can you can uh, alter your approach to that. You can show them looks that they hadn't seen before, but maybe I guess would have only seen on tape. So there's lots of things that you can do offensively to to create opportunities. I think on defense, you're facing a much uh, stronger offense than what you, you saw in Tampa that long ago. Um, Baker is playing, I think, with more confidence. I think he's more accurate. You uh, have a healthier set of receivers because I believe Mike Evans was banged up in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And... You, they're still lacking a running game, but their passing attack is more uh, aggressive and uh, it's finding more success. So an unfortunate part is that that plays right into your biggest weakness. So yep. you're going to have to find ways to to create pressure and you're going to have to find way, you know, continue to stop the run. But you're going to have to find ways to create pressure because if you don't create pressure, you're going to leave your secondary vulnerable to what we've seen over the last few weeks. Yeah. And it's not, I'm, I'm mostly there with you entirely. Like you said, I don't think the defense is going to be really changed at all. Um, <clears throat> Todd Bowles has been there forever and 
<clears throat> they're just they they are who they are. They they've got the same fantastic personnel really at all three levels. Maybe yeah. most weak on on the outside, kind of like the Lions are. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the the Bucks offense, I think I think it is. I think it's a there's there's a certain level of comfort that that Mayfield has now, and it's not surprising that that he kind of caught it right around the the midway point of the season, right? Because when did Jared Goff start playing better? Once he had developed some chemistry with his new receivers, right? Remember, this is Baker Mayfield's first year in Tampa, sure. so there is a certain amount of acclimation period where he has to get used to the offense, get used to his receivers, get used to the cadence, get used to the route running of of everyone around him, and so that has almost certainly improved since you know week six when he had only played four regular season games with his teammates up until then, so. Schematically, I I just don't think there's going to be that much difference in, in who they are. I don't think I don't think they have a lot of I don't want to say um variety because that's not quite the right word, but I don't think they they necessarily hide their intentions that much on offense. I think they just they they are who they are and they and, and they know it and they go from there. But I I guess yeah, they're maybe just more efficient. They're, They're more, more efficient. efficient at it. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe they've leaned a little bit more into the passing game too. They they you know, they know now that the running game isn't their specialty. And so um to, to me what was kind of crazy and interesting about the Monday night game is like they were comfortably ahead in that second half and they still kept throwing the ball like crazy. They're just like, Yeah, we're we're not gonna be able to run out the clock by just trying to run on this defense. So we're gonna run out the clock by throwing on this defense. And that's something I think you, you can see in this game where hopefully they're not in a situation where they need to run clock, but um, more so, you know, they're capable of moving the ball, even if it means abandoning the run for a certain stretch of period. I, I think I, when I like to look at teams, I like to look at what they've done over the last month mm-hmm. and they had a lot of they had a lot of success against Philly, who was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Um, and so they put up 32. Um, the other playoff team, or I guess it was Jaguars were borderline playoff, right? Yeah. Um, that had a really good game against the Jaguars. They put up 30 points on the Jaguars. But when they played their divi- within their division, excuse me, the other two games, they only put up 13 points against the Saints and they only put up nine points against the Panthers. And when they played the Panthers earlier in the year, they only put up 21 points. So if you can tap into some of those things that their like division rivals were doing who know this team very well, I think there's going to be some advantages for you to, to have like there it's there for the taking. So like, Look at what they did against the Panthers. Look at what they did against the Saints and try and find, okay, what are those things that you can do and translate back into your game plan? Yeah, I can. Here's the thing, though. Like, I think people look at the Panthers and are just like, oh, a crappy team like that. And they only scored nine against them. Panthers actually have one of the best pass defenses in the league. You wouldn't think it, but they they actually do. It's it's kind of crazy. Um and then, of course, like the one, the game right outside of your 
last month is the game that Tampa absolutely destroyed the Green Bay Packers. And Baker Mayfield had a perfect passer rating. Yeah, that was a great game. <laughs> that was. Right. No, but I'm saying, I'm yeah. not saying that. I, I What I'm saying is, look at what they did from a schematic standpoint. Yeah. Because those, if you can find schematic points where you're like, that's something that we can do well, then try and incorporate that into your game plans. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah. As long as you have the personnel to, to run what they do. Right. Um, all right. Next question here is from our Twitch chat. Uh, our good friend, Joshua Mercer asks, who will be the number one contributors to help the lions win on Sunday? I think it's their superstars because most of the time, when they're successful, it's because their superstars are playing at a superstar level. Yeah. Uh, so that's Jared Goff, Amon Ra, and um, Sam Laporta, and then their offensive line, right? Like mm-hmm. if those guys, excuse me, if those guys are playing well on offense, they're going to move the ball. They're going to have success. They're going to put up points. On defense, you need Aid Hutchinson to play the way he's been playing over the last month. You need him to be getting pressures. You need him to be getting sacks. You need Aleem to be getting pressures and sacks. And then you need your second, your safeties to be able to contribute and step up in a variety of ways. And you need Anzalone to probably play one of his better games as well. So the superstars, those guys have to come out and play because it's not, it's very rare that you're going to have, that the Lions have seen a guy just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden be like, holy cow, look what he can do. It's only happened once a season, right? With Iffy. And that's it. Beyond him, it's been when they win, it's because their superstars are playing at a high level. It's interesting you mentioned Iffy because he was actually one of the guys I was thinking of because not saying that Aiden can't get it done this week, but while I don't think the Bucs have a great offensive line overall, they have two pretty good tackles in interest yep. in wars and, and Luke Gadecki. So um, it's going to have his work cut out for if he's on the edge a lot. Um, and, and you'd love for someone in the middle to stand up. And, and maybe this is a, a game where Lee McNeil can have one of those like crazy breakout games where you're like, Oh my God, if he can do this every week, he'll be the next, you know, <laughs> Lawrence, he'll be the next whoever. Um, but to me, like a lot of things need to be fixed, needs to be cleaned up on the back end. A lot of, disruption needs to happen on the back end and whether that means sending iffy on blitzes whether that means iffy making a, a play with you know stepping in front of a ball for an interception i i think the lines are going to need a turnover or two in this game because i do think in general the bucks are going to be able to throw the ball it's just it's where this defense has been trending for the past month um sure. and and the reason they've been able to still win these games despite the lack of you know stops on third downs and 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 you know giving up 300 plus passing yards is they are getting those disruptive plays whether they are sacks whether they're pass breakups whether they're interceptions they're able to do enough to mm. get off the field two three four times a game even if it means giving up scoring drives every other drive of the game um it's been enough because their offense is good enough so um, I, I, it to me, it's whoever is going to make the most disruptive plays for your own defense, and, and it could be Aiden Hutchinson. He certainly is a candidate to do that every single week. But if he has kind of been the second most disruptive player over the past month or two, and so I think he's probably a pretty good answer on defense. Offensively, I mean, pick your poison, man. It, it can be any one of those guys any week, and it might be multiple of them per week, right? Um, 
Amon Ra is just a given. Amon Ra is going to get at least 80 yards in this game because that's what Amon Ra does. It'll be interesting to see how healthy Laporta is. Um, we were just talking, I believe that was off air, about the the Bucks giving up a ton of yardage and touchdowns to tight ends this year. And so it, it's potentially a good matchup for him. But um, I'm also interested in, in like, can the Lions get the run game going this week? I, I don't think Dave Montgomery is, is in for a big game because I do think this is one of the best run defenses in the league, but it's not going to stop the Lions from trying. So um, if 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 he can get it going, then like Lions aren't going to lose this game. If, if Dave Montgomery even gets like 65, 70 yards, I think game's probably over. I think that's going to be hard. Um, I, I do agree do. with you. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, to the uh, defensive part of what you were saying, mm-hmm. um, talking about the interior. I think the, their interior offensive line is really where they're at, their, at the weakest. Yeah. And, and that does create an opportunity for St. Brown. I'm sorry, St. Brown. So for Aleem McNeil. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I also think it creates an opportunity for Iffy. Uh, yeah. Because when we look at like, like when they played the Vikings, the Vikings had two really good tackles, but they were weak kind of in the middle. And so um, what we saw is we saw them blitz up the middle. Right. Yeah. And so th- that's the same type of mentality I kind of expect them to have is if, if you have two really good tackles and your edge guys aren't getting consistent pressure, then you have to bring pressure up the middle. And if a lean can do it on his own, great. And if he can't, then you blitz up the middle. Like you don't have to blitz the edges. And so that attack though, is going to have to be what gets the defense stops because their secondary is what it is. And it's not, they're not playing good enough right now. And so getting disruption up front is going to be huge. And the weakest points are that center guards, uh, you know, guard center combos that they have right up there. And so find ways to expose that. Agreed. All right. Next question here, uh, kind of related to what we were just talking about a little bit. Uh, JP is me says, can you discuss turnovers, the lack of them against LA and how they can create more against the bucks? Um, so yeah, I think the way they create more against the bucks is probably blitzing and getting pressure up the middle because not only will that be the easiest Avenue for them to create, uh, pressure, but also pressure up the middle is incredibly hard to deal with as a quarterback. Um, and I mean, like you look at the last matchup, how how did they get the one interception in that game? It was pressure that tipped a pass and allowed it to be picked off. Um, so that that is obviously a key to turning off. Why why didn't they get turnovers last game against the Rams? Because Matthew Accuracy. Stafford's really freaking good. <laughs> I mean. Like that, that. I mean, he he had one of his best games of the season. I would probably say, like, he was just on point all yeah. game, and I don't know what else you, you can expect. I mean, and and to me, turnovers at least on some level are random. I mean, yeah. especially if you're talking about fumbles and fumble recoveries and things like that. But um, in terms of interceptions, they're really the only certainty of creating some sort of. The I guess the only correlation that equals causation between any stat and interceptions is pressure if you get pressure you're going to force more interceptions that's just how it works so the lines are going to need to continue that they didn't get a ton of pressure on the rams team and part of that is because they also get 
rid of the ball extremely quickly. Baker doesn't quite Baker, Baker does that too on, on some level. He gets out gets the ball out, you know, faster than a normal quarterback, but not on the same level as Matthew Stafford. So um And and Stafford's was by design. Right. Like that's purposeful. That was part yes. of their game plan was for him to get rid of the ball quickly. That's not part that's not a normal circumstance. Like Baker has a bit more traditional look. Yep. Um, Baker also thinks he can make every throw, but he can't. So that can create opportunity. I mean, look, not everyone can look. There are people that he's got that gunslinger mentality, which is great. And that can be super beneficial because he'll take risks at the same time. He doesn't have the gun that yeah. like a couple of these elite guys do like Stafford, Josh Allen, right? Like he just, he just doesn't have that, but he has that mentality that he does. And so then that often puts him in risky spots. Now, the nice thing for, for Tampa is that they have a couple of receivers that can go get it. Right? right. And that's what, that's one of the reasons they've been successful. So the lions have been tr- very aggressive in trying to get turnovers. They just didn't get any like Kirby had that one that everyone was screaming about passing your parents for. He tried to go through the guy to get like, he almost had that one, the tipped pass that popped the ball. Like that's an opportunity that they were just inches away from getting um, at the goal line there. And so they didn't get any, they had eight in the previous three games, I think is what it was. Right. So they didn't get any last week. I think, and a lot of that was just Stafford was dealing, but I, I, I do agree that they've been trying to create them. You saw a lot of them punching at the ball late in the game and stuff like that, but it just, it, it didn't fall their way last game. Yeah. And it, you know, it hurts when you don't get to play Nick Mullins every week too. So <laughs> it's certainly, <laughs> um, all right. Last question here comes from Ed Mark, uh, here on Twitch it says if the lions win, who do you think they match up best between the Packers and the 49ers? Let's dream a little bit. Let's, let's talk NFC championship obviously we we've seen this team play the packers twice we they, they blew them out in the first one and, and almost let them back into that one but the packers pretty much controlled the second one and they seemingly have been a much different team since that thanksgiving matchup um and then we have a 49ers team who had one rough stretch of period here in the regular season and pretty much have been rolling since so I don't know, in terms of matchup, in terms of overall talent, how how do you like the matchups between each of those and, and which one do you like more? I think I like the Packers better because it's a it's an opponent that they know, it's an opponent that we know. It's a young team. Uh one like the second youngest team in the league or something like that. Youngest team in the playoffs by far. Right. right. Um they don't have a lot of experience at the receiver position and so, and then you have a young quarterback who's just in his first year um, as, you know, running the ship. So I think the Lions, and then you added in the fact that it would be at home. But even if you took a new, put on a neutral site, I still think it would be the Packers. Um, the 49ers, in my opinion, are a complete team, are probably the most complete team uh, out there. Uh, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. And, uh, while they have run through some stretches during the season, uh, like that three game losing streak that they had it, they're playing at a, at a very good level right now. And I think they're a scarier matchup, even though I, I do think they're kind of designed in a similar way to the lions. I still would rather face the Packers, um, for all the reasons I just mentioned. 
Yeah, to me, they're just the, the 49ers are just such a well balanced team, too, right? They're, yeah. they're <clears throat> they can run the ball, they can throw the ball, they can defend the run, they can defend the pass. Um, they've got pass rushers, they got good coverage guys. <clears throat> Whereas the Packers, I, I mean, Jordan Love has been carrying that team for the past two months. And I'm not trying to yeah. take anything away from Jordan Love. He's been phenomenal. He's been fantastic. Um, but they're just kind of okay at running the ball with Aaron Jones back. He, they're, they're a little bit better at it. Um, and their defense, like, I, sorry, I don't, I don't care how they've performed in the past two games. They're not good. It's not a good defense. They're, maybe they're better than, than some of the, uh, you know, extreme lows that they had earlier in the season, but I still think they are a well below average defense. And if that's the case, then the Lions are going to have a fighting shot no matter what. Um, whereas, I could see the 49ers hold the lines to under 20 points. They're they're they've got that much talent on the defensive side of the ball. So um I'm not saying that the Packers don't have a chance to beat the 49ers. They're they're hot. They're they're playing really good football right now. And who knows? You're you're facing a 49ers team that has really, you know, the starters haven't played in in two weeks. Yeah. So <clears throat> be some rust there. There could be some rust there, but uh if we're talking, you know, a week from now where both teams have played an additional game, I, I, I would still rather face a Packers team. Not to mention, like, it'd be a lot more satisfying to beat the Packers. I mean, it's going to be satisfying no matter what if we're talking about the Lions playing in the Super Bowl. But to do that while knocking the Packers out of the playoffs for a second year in a row, that, I mean, that is that is the highest of highs for a Lions fan. How many times have the San Francisco the, the Niners have knocked them out more than just the last couple? It like are, yeah. are, like aren't the 49ers like the Packers kryptonite too? Yes. Like, haven't they knocked them out like three times or something like that? Or something like that. I I, I know Packers fans have have like a, a ton of PS PTSD with that team. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh I think that'll do it. I think we made it. Um sorry for the horse horse voice this entire time hopefully it wasn't too uh grating on the ears but appreciate you all listening uh we'll be back uh in a day here to record first bite on thursday night it'll be up on the podcast feed friday morning and then as always if you want to join us for our Madden sims which have gotten scarily accurate now that we have them modded our a modded our <laughs> modded version of the Madden sim, I believe, is now five and zero in correctly predicting the outcome, and was like three points away from the actual outcome in the uh, wild card round. So, if you want to go watch that, head over to our Twitch and YouTube pages. Saturday morning, ten a.m. Always a fun time. But until then, I'm Jeremy. That other guy is Eric. We love you guys. It's chaos. Be kind. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. 
You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.